What is up and what's good? Welcome back into another fantastic episode of Tailgate Talks, brought to you as always by our good friends at GuyBostonSports.com. Your hosts, Andy and Bobby, here recording live on a Tuesday night, so probably Wednesday when you're listening to this chock full episode for you. Going to give you a little NFL draft preview. We're going to go through my positional rankings, top five players at each position. And then I came up with a post-pre-agency mock draft. I'm going to go through it with you, and Bobby's going to tear it apart. Should be a fun one. As always, sit back, relax, and let's get it. And here we go. We're good. All right, we're better at that. All right. Have to start off. Also, welcome into Tailgate Talks. What's up, everybody? Um, got to start off. We've got to get the easy one out of the way. Bob, 30 seconds. Reaction to the Will Smith slap. Go. That is one of the greatest moments in history, mainly because it really just took over the internet in a way I have not seen a mainstream pop culture thing do in pretty much forever. Monday, the memes were amazing. Thank you, oh, internet, God. for supplying great memes. And it's literally what, you know, everyone at the office, my parents, my sister, friends, just everybody was talking about it. It was crazy. It's insane. Will Smith, you're pathetic. Other than that, great moment. Yeah, it was unreal. And I will say, Will Smith, bitch level now, man. That's you bitch. slapped a man. You don't – I don't care what, what it is. It's gears. What's up, man? Like, I, I can't fathom – the idea of, oh, look, defend your woman, whatever. Think what you want about that relationship. We all know it's nonsense. But you slapped a man. On Open national palm. Like, that's not what a man does. That's not how a man solves his problems. You want him to walk up and punch him? I don't want him to do anything. Just yell at him, if anything, or give him a stare down. But if you're gonna, I'm sorry. If, if I was in that situation and I have to pick between a slap and a punch, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to man up and punch the guy. Like, come on. I know you're probably going to get in trouble. You're probably going to get arrested. But at that point, just just sack up, man. Credit to Chris Rock for handling that like a true oh, champ. Legend. Didn't freak out. Took it, like a, look, took it like a pro and then kept the show going. He didn't make a big deal out of it. All the guys from Grown Ups are coming to his defense on Twitter. And I just kept seeing like David Spade and Adam Sandler tweets. And I'm like, this that's a brotherhood right there. Did you oh, know that house, the by the way? Did you know the Grown Ups house is in Essex, Mass? I did not know that. He's serious. Yeah, I saw that on like a reel today. It was unreal. I won't say TikTok because I saw it on Instagram. But yeah, that's wild. But yeah, no. Chris Rock, huge. And all I want in this world right now is a two-hour Comedy Central roast of the entire Smith family hosted by Chris Rock. That's all I want. I think it's fair. It's retribution. Keep it's what America wants. <laughs> like imagine. Uh, it's gear. Uh, I, I appreciate that It's Gears is leaving us some comments. Imagine at the SBs if Aaron Donald caught up and tackled the host. Well, all right, that would be pure assault at that That'd point. That would be death. But that would be epic. The man benches 500. I feel bad for the host, whoever it is. My God, I can bench a little more than half of that, so I feel a little bit better, actually, about that. <laughs> Humble flex, you know. 285. But end of the day, I think we got great meme material. The slap is the new popular meme. I'm all about it. It really is. There are just a ton of great ones there. My personal favorite was the Julian Edelman um, retirement and then Tom Brady coming in with the slap. <laughs> that one was just like perfectly played. Um, oh, 
Chris Rock's got shows in Boston. Actually, he does. It's gears. I'm glad you're the only ones commenting because I'm going to get all your comments today, man. I, I love this. So, and also just a fun fact. So before the slap, all the shows, I think he's at the Wilbur in Boston. All the shows were already sold out before the slap. But after the slap, the next day, the Wilbur got, literally the phone lines were slammed the entire day. People just asking to buy some tickets, buy some tickets. I Down just, the road too, in other areas, he's doing shows. Tickets been sold out, sold out, sold out. So like, wild. This, this got him some money. Absolutely freaking wild. All right. Side for the greatest moment in internet history. Let's get to some football. Got a few news and notes, but we got a fun show today because it's basically a draft preview here. We're going to be going through my top five positional rankings of top five players, each position to get you guys kind of familiar with the players that you're going to hear called in in, uh, April, which we are, I believe, just under a month away. Correct. 28th. Yeah, you're right. I can't wait. I'm taking that Friday off. It's going to be a fun night, Bob. I might have to come over for that one. It's going to be wild. Um, We're going to do something special. That's for sure. We do. We really do. Um, But we're going to go through the top five rankings. We got some fun stuff here. And then I made a post-free agency mock draft. Bob hasn't even looked at it yet. So we're going to go through and he is going to tear the thing apart. Just rip me and, you know, make me defend my picks. So I think we're going to have a fun time here. But got to start with a few news and notes. So. Thankfully, we covered basically all the big things that happened in free agency. Uh, we broke the Teron Armstead signing with Miami on the show last week. Huge addition for the Dolphins, uh, but not as huge as the other addition they made. And that one was like a day later. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver from Kansas City, the most arguably the most dangerous offensive weapon in all football, traded to the Dolphins. After basically he saw Devontae Adams get $28.5 million, he said, I want more than that. And the Kansas City Chiefs said, we can't do that. Go find it somewhere else. And he did. He did. He gets traded for a first-round pick this year, so number 29 overall, a second-round pick this year, a fourth-rounder this year, and then a fourth and a sixth in 2023. <sighs> Steal. Like Miami picked up two of the best available players, which we didn't even know Tyreek was available in a matter of like 48 hours. And I mean, what reactions to this trade just off the bat as an NFL fan? What gets me is that Miami has two, two first round picks next year. All right. So the very first talking point, because the Jets, I can't imagine what the Jets are offering for it. And I understand Tyreek had something to play in the role with, you know, where he wanted to go. But at the end of the day, if you're Kansas City, you have to get out as much as possible. And for Tyreek Hill, who you mentioned is, probably the most dangerous weapon in football right now to get one first round collectively. I don't care about the rest of the picks. So the rest of the picks, let's be realistic here. Lottery picks first round is matter the most to get one late round. First round pick is an absolute joke, but, but I'm going to argue that by saying Devonte Adams, he got a one. You're not only paying for Tyree kill, you're paying to pay him. So you do have to take 30 million in cap space. One thing you're forgetting is Devonte Adams the week before that, Got traded for a twenty for a, the twenty second overall pick and a second round pick this year. So Tyreek goes seven slots later, but they get the additional three picks with him. So I, I think at that point, you know, it, the trades aren't that uneven. Obviously, Devonte is well known as the best player. The twenty two to twenty seven, especially in this year's draft, it's not that much of a difference. I now I'll counter saying Devonte clearly wanted to go to Oakland to play with Derek Carr, his boy. All right. As far as I'm concerned, there weren't any other real contenders to trade for Devontae. It was a clear, at least two-way race between the Jets and the Dolphins. 
and what Kansas City should have done. And at that point, from the reporting, I don't care what Tyreek said after the fact, but at the reporting that he was open to both, it was really just who was going to pay him. Both were willing to pay him. And then if the Jets were offering, I'm assuming that the Jets were making at least a solid trade package offer. And at that point, it's a bit more. So I think the rumor is with them, they weren't offering any first-round picks, but they have a lot of high second-round picks, and they can – they can basically afford some future capital. So I think at the end of the day, it sounds like the trade packages total, because you take the value of each draft pick, they were pretty even. He chose Miami. He has a house in Miami. It was, well, it was bound to happen. I'd rather go to Miami than New York as well. But Exactly. I think a lot of people would. Um, but yeah, what, just a wild move. I mean, for the Chiefs, you, they couldn't pay him. And I think you got to look at them in the AFC West right now and they, they need to make a move. Now they have two first-round picks they can package. I, I fully expect them to be trying to trade up, maybe go get one of these top five receivers who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But they got to do something because right now it's Travis Kelsey and what? They're they're going to really count on uh, Valdez Scantling downfield. Cole Hartman, Byron Pringle. Come on, there's plenty Cole of Cole Hart. Oh, yeah. Is By- Byron Pringle signed with Chicago, actually. I'm pretty sure. Did he? I'm 99.9% sure he signed with Chicago. I'm going to look it up right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, then, will be leading the Chiefs in catches. <laughs> hey, man, he is a good one, honestly. Byron Pringle. Okay, hold on. Where is he? Yep, Chicago Bears. Sleeper well, pick. I stand Sleeper. correct. <laughs> they, went, they went with all these cheap contracts. So, you know, we talked about it. They can create cap for 2023. So, not a bad deal. It's gears. You're right. That tonsil deal, man, Miami's lucking out. They still got the two first round picks next year and yeah, they're going to be fine in terms of the East. We got to look at it. I think the consensus rankings in the East have now become the bills at the top bit of a gap, then the dolphins, then the Patriots and then the jets. And some people are even teetering, including myself on depending on how this draft goes and the trades that could still be made. Patriots are pretty fucked. <laughs> I, I can see the Pats falling in second in the division. I can see the Pats falling fourth in the division and obviously yep. third. So it's it's a real fun three-way shift. We just, just have – Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. That was rude of me. That's, no, no, <laughs> so obviously Patriots I still trust the most only because with Bill and, and uh, just real quick on the Patriots. Just Did you hear the story with what happened with the coach's photo? No. What happened so, with the coach's photo? Because I know 20, Belichick wasn't there, right? No, Belichick was there. He, he was. missed the photo. He literally okay. missed the photo. And here's the story from what happened, apparently. So there are 28 total coaches in the photo out of the 32. Uh, two were away because they just actually couldn't be there. Somebody else missed it, and Bill Belichick missed it. Yeah. Report. This is reported. Bill. So they're all getting in the little spots in the photo uh, line, whatever, and they're taking the photo. And if you look at the photo, next to Sean, right in the middle of the front, is an empty spot, essentially, where it would be oh, very boy. simple for Bill Belichick to be standing there. Because Sean McVay, Bill, probably the two biggest coaches in the NFL, right front center, right? So apparently, when the photo is being taken from, like, the clubhouse or wherever it is they're doing their thing, he came running out, literally running out to make the photo, not just by himself. Would you like to guess who was with him? Um, His girlfriend? Matt Patricia. Oh, boy. The, there were, you know, th- 29, 30 coaches at this meeting. There was only one, one assistant head coach of any capacity that was at this meeting. 
and it was Matthew Patricia. And the fact that they're in that clubhouse going over shit, whatever, they go, you know, Bill, you got to make that, you got to make that photo. Not, okay, Bill, go run and make the photo. Matt, Matt, Matt Patricia, who is a large person, is running out of this clubhouse to make the photo. It's just, a, I wish there was a video or something. We could find. God. God, kind of, all right, that'll, that'll bring us into our next point. But, yeah, the Patriots are screwed. We just don't have cornerbacks to uh, great cover. Point by its gear. Yeah, no, I think it's proven at this point that Patricia, Patricia and Bill, it's not a working relationship. I legitimately think they're friends outside of work. They hang out and watch. Oh, them. yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's why he's apparently going to coach the offense. He has three different titles. He's in the front office. He's the offensive line coach. And now he's an offensive assistant for scheming. I, I don't know what he does. Now. I, I don't know either. I, all I know is this is the nightmare scenario that I saw weeks ago. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, who since he's since he stopped being the Pats defensive coordinator, were, sorry, he still wasn't even that great. Everything he touches turns to poo. This is the worst case scenario for Mac Jones because you have Matt Patricia, who I just talked about. You have Joe Judge, the classic third and 15 inside the five QB sneak guy, which I'm sorry, that's a resume all in itself. That is. These are two guys who are fucking nut jobs. There's no stability there. You don't have one guy to go to. You have two. Who who knows how they're going to work together? I, I'm not I'm not convinced because they're both coming off head coaching jobs recently. Egos are going to butt heads. I'm I'm sorry, it's going to happen. This is horrible. This is terrible. Who's next? Urban Meyer. I would. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, bring Urban in just to fuck with everything. There is there will never be another Urban Meyer. Just that is without a doubt the worst NFL head coaching hire ever, Andy. You can't it, argue it. It. All right. The hire itself wasn't bad because the idea was there. It's just the worst coaching tenure of all time. We're talking Bobby Petrino in Arkansas and then Urban He Meyer. left on his own. Bobby Petrino. And then <laughs> he didn't even get fired. He left. It just That's, that's where we're at. That's, that's 1A, 1B. We're going to have to cut this short soon because I'm, I don't – I feel sad. I feel sad. Uh, I feel like we've totally gotten off topic here. We did. Jabril just Peppers, last, we signed. Two, two quick last points I want to bring up. Um, did you have Bill's comments regarding asked about Patricia and Joe Judge's? No, I have not. So someone basically asked, like, you know, you know, their roles are kind of in the air. Like, yes, they've been rumored about this or that, but like, you know, what's their official title going to be? Bill simply stated that he wasn't big or wasn't a fan of titles. So good idea. <laughs> God, we're not getting me. an offensive coordinator, folks. We're just going to have an offensive team. We're just going to have guys who coach the offense. It's the that's going to be great for Mac. Mac Mac's going to be pointing at three different guys. What's the call? What, what's the call? Do we have an OC? No, we have a GW um, TO guy who coaches offense. We're, we're going to have situations. Okay, third and long, we go to Joe. Second. You know, first and ten, we go to Matt. You know, uh, go <laughs> inside the twenty, go to Nick. Poor Mac Jones is out on the field, just like I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is gonna be, uh, it's just it's gonna be awful. All right, you had, you had a second point. Yeah, just uh, it's get brought it up. Just one of the points, a good point. Uh, Robert Kraft spoke today, um, asked about you know recent Patriots work since Brady left. Um, Kraft, you know, quoted saying he's bothered. Bothered is the key word by Patriots' lack of playoff success. 
which I think is fair. It's not yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, he should be. I think, though, he, you know, it, it was a long point, but he also did bring up, you know, kind of the improvement from Cam to Mac, which makes sense. And hopefully, I think the expectation this year for Robert, from what I kind of saw in his comments, was what a playoff game. I think that's what Robert expects. Well, we don't always get what we want, do we? <laughs> Because we're worse than last year, bro. It's bad. We got Jabril Peppers, baby. Come on. Yes, we did sign Jabril Peppers. One-year deal. The former Giants safety, former Michigan star, and former number one high school recruit. Um, we have like six safeties on this team now. Like we have we so do. many safeties. Oh no, I was looking at the base defense. Some guy put out as a depth chart, and like we have Jabril Peppers playing sub linebacker packages. Like this is. Look, it's it's fine. Jabril Peppers, it's it's not a great signing. I'm not gonna say that because he's I don't think he's that great a player. But if he could play like he did in 2020, which he was solid, he has a lot of athletic ability. He's admittedly been overrated his entire career. So is there upside? Yes. Is there a lot of downside? Not really, because it's a low we have plenty of safeties and it's a one year deal. So I, I think it's a good signing. It's Honestly, it's probably the second best signing we've made this offseason aside for re-signing Trent Brown. That's not good. That's not good. But it's a step in the right direction. We do need to add guys to this team, so I'm a fan of it. Just, again, I'm not looking at it like, this is amazing. It's just kind of like, no, it's a good signing. Who knows? If he can prove, maybe he can prove me wrong. Maybe he can finally not be this overrated just athlete. He, he was a good kick returner and punt returner. That's a nice element. But in coverage, I, I didn't see anything special at Michigan. Yeah, it was uh, it was rough. Yeah, but um, hopefully Bill can fix him as he's done many other things. He likes broken oh, things, so he does like broken things. He likes to keep things broken, apparently too. Well, Andy, I think it's time for some uh, rankings. Yeah, let's get to the draft because that'll make no, you know, bring a smile to my face. Also, it's gear. I just I love the comments, man. Like, keep it coming. Yeah. We'll be here for a little while. All right, so. These are my personal rankings. We're going to go position by position, kind of tell you guys, you know, a little bit about the players, just who I have, kind of where I see them getting drafted. And Bob, just stop me whenever you want, but we got to start. Stop. Okay. <laughs> we'll go position. I don't have like, you know, I will say one thing. I don't have like a big board. I'm just not at that point yet where I'm able to do that. Just ranking positions against each other. It can be kind of tough sometimes. So I'm still working on that, but Position-wise, I feel pretty good about these. I will say with a lot of them, it's, you know, maybe I have a one and a two and then three, four, five are like all grouped together. And it's just a matter of preference for me. That's how a lot of these things are kind of spread out. So, for example, we're going to start with quarterbacks. And the way I have it is I have a number one and then I have four guys who are pretty close. (laughs) So... My number one quarterback is Malik Willis from Liberty. Just the highest upside in this class is Lamar Jackson athleticism with an absolute howitzer for an arm. He showed it off at his pro day. He's really impressed in interviews. And I think if you look at all these guys, he has a lot to work on. He is not a day one starter, but he has the tools to be really successful. At number two, this is again, these guys are all very close together. And I'm going off some preferences here. Number two, I've got Sam Howell from UNC. I've got Matt Corral from Ole Miss at three, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati at number four, and Kenny Pickett at number five. And it's funny because Kenny Pickett was my number one guy a couple couple months ago. Yeah, so out of this five, I am actually kind of supportive, especially from Malik Willis and the rest. I think that's definitely where it is. 
why is Kenny so far down now? I understand, you know, the drop from one to wherever you want to put him from one to five, but those other three, I understand, you know, you, you kind of, it's all in the same group more or less. But yeah. What, what, what made you put him at five? So again, these guys are all still very close together. Howell to pick it. What I ordered them, I kind of, what I look for in a quarterback is upside. I, I've looked at how the league is changing over the past couple of years and who are the successful quarterbacks, the ones who have something really special about them. Kenny Pickett, honestly, is probably the best day one starter in this group. He is probably the one of the only ones I feel confident can go out on an NFL field and be a suitable starter you know, from day one. But when I look at these other guys, I just see more tools that I really like. Sam Howell, number one, he's a, one of the younger ones, and he has been super successful in college. This last year, he took a bit of a dip. Now, he also lost Deami Brown. Um, there's another wide receiver, Quez. I, I, I'm blanking on the other one. Michael Carter, Javante Williams. He lost a ton of NFL talent, and that team definitely had its struggles. But he's big, he's mobile, he, he can make every NFL throw. Some There's some decision-making with him. PFF has him at quarterback one, and it's again, it's all based off potential. So he could easily jump Malik Willis at some, at some point in his career. That's why I have him number two. Matt Corral. I really like his accuracy, and I really, I just think he's got some swagger to him. He's also a mobile guy, too. Um, there's something I like his style of play. It's aggressive. He is a little smaller. He's going to get beat up a little bit, but, you know, I'm not too worried about him. Desmond Ritter is that older one. He's kind of like the, the leader in the locker room. He's got more zip on the ball after watching his pro day and combine workout than I thought. Um the one thing with him is accuracy. You know, is it going to improve? And we see guys improve in, in the NFL level um, from college. Josh Allen, perfect example. Not that Ritter is anywhere near that, but he's also a really good athlete. Pickett, again, it's just not a – he's a good quarterback. He's mobile. He has an okay arm. The hands, I'm not worried about that. I mean, it's definitely not great. It's something I'm going to think about if I'm a GM drafting him. But I just – I see the highest floor with him but the lowest ceiling, if that makes sense. A lot, of, I think, like Malik Willis, highest ceiling, he might have the lowest floor. He really looked bad at some points at Liberty, but he was also playing with no NFL talent. So it's hard to evaluate these guys. You see so many different rankings. Desmond Ritter is number one for a lot of people. Matt Corral is like, literally I've seen all these guys ranked as number one guys. So like I said, for me, it's Malik Willis just based off the highest traits and everything. But Kenny Pickett's probably the day one starter of the group. Like it's funny. I have him in I have him going in the first round right now. He could go as high as Carolina at six. So I wanted to follow up on that because Malik is def I would if I put him house money on it, I'm putting Malik in the first round somewhere. He's oh, yeah. not gonna get out of the first round. He will not. And I would definitely not. put Kenny. I feel like the other three could definitely fall out of the first round, but the only one I would feel confident going in the first round is Kenny. Yeah, I think you can book Kenny Pickett and Mac and Malik Willis in the first round. If I'm picking one of the next three, I think it'll be Desmond Ritter, if anything, because NFL teams are really going to like his experience and his just leadership there. Um, it's a good trade for him. And I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. Like I said, I have some issues with his accuracy. I worried a little bit watching him against Alabama because I felt like, and I know that his offensive line was not that good. It's, I think he's 6'5". Every ball, I feel like every other ball I saw got batted down. At some point, it's like, come on, man. 
<laughs> got to figure it out. But no, he's he's definitely impressed. Um, like I said, I don't think any of these guys have a first round true grade for me, but you're going to see two or three go in the first round, possibly four, honestly. Sam Howell, I think, is the other one that could sneak in there. Right. The fact is, the nice thing, the thing about the first round is you have the fifth year option. If one of these teams, maybe they're picking early in the second, they or they want to, you know, get back into the first just to get the fifth year option on a quarterback they love, they're going to do it. They're going to go get them. So that's where I got the quarterbacks. It's a fun one. <laughs> quarterbacks are always fun, and they're always overvalued, or at least overdrafted, because Malik that's and Kenny can go top both top ten. In reality, they're not the two top ten players in the draft. Yeah. So. Just get me to next year when we have Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Spencer oh, Rattler, God. Tyler Van Dyke, all these guys. It's oh. going to be a fun one. Uh, all right, let's go to the running backs. Uh, let's see. Number one, so I have Brees Hall from Iowa State. At this point, he's kind of taken over as the consensus number one running back. Correct. Is he a first rounder? I don't think he's that good. But if anyone is going to make it into the first round, Bills, the Bucks have been a potential fit. Would make sense. I would get it, but I don't think I still don't think these guys are first rounders. But he is going to be a day one starter, three down running back in the NFL. Kenneth Walker next, tons of power. He can catch passes. Pass protection is the only issue with him. Damian Pierce. If you haven't seen this guy in the pre-draft process, he's fun to watch. Um, I hate that I kind of said that, but that's such a generic thing to say. Um, <laughs> but if you watch him at the Senior Bowl. Taking, he's taking reps at the end of practice, doing pass blocking against linebackers and defensive ends, and the dude blows people up. I absolutely love it. Florida did not use him enough. Shout out to fellas, Grizzy. Man, I love. We're getting more comments tonight. I absolutely love this. Love um, but Damian Pierce, great pass protection. He was on the bench at the combine, and I think he got to twenty-three reps or something, twenty-one. And the last one, you can hear him yell at the spotter, don't touch that bitch. <laughs> so big, big fan of him. He's going to be an effective runner at the NFL level, and he'll be great in pass cover in pass protection. James Cook from Georgia is my number four. You saw some big, he's a big play guy. He's obviously, he's Dalvin Cook's brother. Part of that's going to play in. He is kind of a mini version of Cook, not as big. But the dude, if he can catch passes and he can make explosive plays, there was like a 60-yard run in the national championship game. Absolutely loved watching him. Um, I think he's a third down back day one in the NFL, and who knows what he can develop into. Um, and then my last one, number five, I've got Tyler Algier from BYU, former linebacker. That's all I need to hear. Um, I had Abram Smith in this spot earlier this year. Algier's a little bit of a better runner, but I – Anytime I hear the words converted linebacker, I want them. Javante Williams last year, converted linebacker. Like if you tell me a running back played linebacker in high school or early in college, I will draft him. Like 100, 100%. But anyway, with these guys, a lot of day two picks. Um, you know, Kenneth Walker, I think, and Brees Hall. I mean, they are round twos. The rest of these guys, round three, round four range. So, Andy, overall, obviously, with Hall and um, Walker, I fully agree, top two, clear cut, et cetera. I'm surprised you've left somebody specific off this list, off your top five. Uh, where's Isaiah Spiller? He has tested absolutely dog shit. That's fine. Because yeah, there's a whole highlight reel of gameplays that all yeah. stuff to look at. Yeah, well, highlight you can do that in college, but if you – 
I'm sorry. There are certain things that I have come across in my time to just evaluating draft prospects. If, if you can't hit certain athletic thresholds, you're you're not going to translate well to the NFL. Spiller's a good runner. I'll say that, but not a good 40 time, not a good, not a good broad jump, no vertical, just really not a lot, not an explosive athlete. And I just, I fear how that's going to transition. Now I like his tape. I'm not going to lie. So he's going to get drafted, but I don't have him in my top five running backs are interchangeable. I'm not, if one guy is just not athletic enough, I'm not going to bother. I'm just saying, I know his agent said it. So take it with a grain of salt, but he's fairly injured during the workouts. So yeah, everybody is don't test them. <laughs> Don't hey, we, we we'll talk crap on guys who drop out of doing the test. No, we yeah, but that's the thing. In today's day and age, I don't care if you don't do the testing because you're probably better off. It's better than going in and actually doing it and sucking. I gotta think of the guy, but basically everyone at the Texas A&M Pro Day almost fell off my list. Jaden Weiermeyer, we're gonna get to the tight ends in a little bit. He ran like a five plus forty yard dash. That's undraftable. <laughs> That's literally he's off my board. I, I can't. I don't. I don't want to take a guy like that. Like, you have. You have to be an athlete. Anyway, that's a undrafted rookie. Sounds yeah. great. I mean, that's what happens. Anyway, running back group. It's solid. There's no stars, but Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I think will be good NFL running backs. Very now good. we're gonna go to the fun one, the wide receivers nice. and. I'm going to say this list is chalky. That's for certain. Um, Go ahead. Before you, before you even say the list, I want to ask clarifying question. Go ahead. Are you including current injury status with this list into how you grade them? Oh yeah. No, I I understand if people are injured. When you would, but when you're ranking them from one to five, are you including current injuries? Like. This guy would be two normally because, because he's out. Oh, Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, no, no. I, I I take these into consideration, but I also consider like, you know, they're coming, you know, it sounds like they're going to be healthy and I've watched them before. So that's kind of what happens here. So top five here. Number one, you're going to call me a homer. I have Garrett Wilson. I'm going to call call Daniel Jeremiah a homer too. (laughs) He's got him as his eighth ranked player or fit. No fifth. Fifth in his latest rankings. Oh, the Ohio um, State guy is the top ranked one. Shocker. But go ahead. I mean, he's literally just stronger, faster Calvin Ridley. That's pretty solid. And I think he knows to put uh put DraftKings away on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> but I have Garrett Wilson number one. Number two, I have Jamison Williams from Alabama, um, the former Ohio State transfer, funny enough. Um, number three, Chris Olave from Ohio State. Number four, I have Drake London. I know you're going to give me some shit for that. Um, and number five, I've got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. There's a lot of good ones who didn't make this cut. Um, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson. Yes. Um, there's a lot of good wide receivers. Trey McBride, maybe. Trey sorry, <laughs> I was going to say tight end, but yeah. Where's Justin Ross. No, no, no. I love Justin him. Ross. I, I do like Justin Ross, but it's not, it's not Great in this story. thing. Day, late day two, maybe or maybe day three, guy. Um, all right, so a few things about this list for you. First, go ahead. I I understand with the injury, and this is why I kind of asked that clarifying question at the beginning because I think James Williams is the best, non injury wise, he's the best receiver in the class. Do you agree? Okay. With I disagree. It's closer though. Um, 
with him, you know, obviously unbelievable speed. And he does what I like is he's not like a Darius Hayward Bay. It's not just straight downfield speed. He does have some twitch in his game. Garrett Wilson, the thing I love about him and why he's number one is just he has natural ability to just get open. He creates so much separation. Is he the fastest? No. Is he the best athlete? No. But the dude has great hands. He makes incredibly athletic catches. And I know if I trot him out on an NFL field, he is going to get open for years to come. So that is why I really like him. Like I said, he's a faster, stronger Calvin Ridley. And say what you want about Ridley. He's been a damn good wide receiver in the NFL. Great at gambling too. Um, also, not very uh, – I guess he's okay. When it comes to Wilson and uh, Williams and how you want to rank them, I'm okay with that. Now, I'm going to call you out on your hypocrisy real quick because your earlier rankings with the quarterback specifically, you like to do it potential. When it comes to close comparisons, you want to do potential over four, correct? Yeah. So then why – I didn't say that's for why, everyone. Why is Olave above Drake London? Because Drake London definitely has a better ceiling than Olave. I could. I'm a little I, – I will admit, I am concerned with Drake London's ability to translate to the NFL. Obviously, the one thing is I haven't seen him run. I want to see what his 40 time looks like. And I know I'm not going to get it. Or maybe he, I don't know if I don't know if he's had his pro day or not. I kind of I haven't watched USC's, but if he's earning in the four fives and the you know maybe even a high four five, low four six, that's fine because at his size six five two fifteen, baby, that's perfectly acceptable speed. And he doesn't create separation. By the way, these guys are all close. By the way, these are all first round pairs, so it's not like this is a big gap. London does a lot of things great. He doesn't separate downfield, but that's because he does. That's not his game. He is a jump ball guy. He is the 50-50 ball, and he is the guy when you need a big wide receiver who creates separation at the line of scrimmage. He's going to go to the slot. Chris Olave can do anything, and I love that about him. I've watched him for years. He's a technical route runner. Just, dude, let me talk about the goddamn prospect. <laughs> I'm acting like I'm just like out here, just like Chris Olave. Now he's a good goddamn player. Does everything you need a wide receiver to do. He's experienced. The guy's a leader. Honestly, he's a Patriots player. I'll tell you that much. And a lot of people will agree with that statement. Yes. He is. I'd be thrilled. Oh yeah. Downfield speed. He can go for the jump ball. He's Ohio state's all time leader in touchdown passes. So, you know, he's a red zone threat. His game translates to the NFL beautifully, and he is a guy who I have no doubt will be like a top 20 wide receiver one day. He might not even be a number one. He might just be the best number two in the NFL, but he's going to be a consistent player for a long time, and I want to almost bet on that certainty. Drake London, I've said it before, we've seen one Pro Bowl wide receiver with a frame similar to his since like 2000 or 2010. And it's AJ green and AJ green is a different kind of animal back then. So I think London can be good. I have him going higher than Olave if it makes you feel better. But for my personal rankings, I have Olave a little bit higher than him. It's not much, but it's a little bit. And then Traylon Burks, he would have gone on. Jeff. I mean, I he, feel like it's like those four and then, Burks. <laughs> Burks was like number one for a lot of people before the combine. And then he tested and he wasn't this amazing athlete that everyone thought he was just like really good. 
and everyone sure. dogged him for it. They're like, "You only ran a four five at two hundred and twenty five pounds. Like what a what like what a fat piece of shit. Like yo, no, that's no, that's that's absolutely moving. But you know, everyone thought he was going to be more than that. He didn't bench that much. Like there was just you know, there's a lack of there's a little surprise there. But he's still good. He's still explosive on the field. So you got to trust the tape. So the wide receivers, like I said, they're all very close. There's a lot of guys who could go in the first round, especially because a lot of teams need them right now. Uh, all right. We'll blow through the tight ends. It's a little bit of a boring part, to be honest with you. No day one guys here. Mc, Trey McBride is my number one guy out of a Colorado State. Love him because his play style is similar to Travis Kelsey. He is not Travis Kelsey. Let's just calm down right now. But play style he is. He'll catch a lot of balls in the NFL. But he's a round, he's a late round two, early day, early round three guy. Um, I have Jeremy Ruckert as my second. Again, kind of similar to Alave. I look at him and I think his game translates really well. Dude is a strong blocker and he makes a lot of really athletic catches. And I think that's going to translate well. He's similar to like a Mark Andrews almost. And obviously look how he's translated. I've just compared the two tight ends who literally should go in round three to guys who are all pro. So we're off to a hot start here. Uh, Isaiah Likely from Everett, Mass. Funny enough, um, he more of a wide receiver, to be honest with you. Um, he's got to get a little stronger in the NFL, but he's still going to be a weapon in somebody's spread offense. Uh, Greg Dolchich, I know Daniel Jeremiah is really high on him. I watched his combine. It w- didn't blow me away, but I did watch his tape, and he has a lot of explosive plays in the field. So whatever gets it done, got to respect it. Uh, Jelani Woods, 6'7". He's a big dude from Virginia. Like I said, Weidermeyer, I had him at like number two originally, and he – Dude, if you run a five plus forty, you're you're out. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's that's just like the that's the line for me. You can't be a you can't be a skill player and run a five. Uh, but Woods had a really strong testing day, and you know you see a body like that who can move. I'm gonna take a shot on that. That's gonna that could be some high potential in the NFL. Yeah, um, I, I like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but Trey McBride, I think, is a clear cut number one for the position. Uh, he's that guy who you're going to want to snag in fantasy as like your backup tight end, or like if you got one of the late ones, That's take a, a shot on him, baby. That was last year's seeky tight end. Oh thing. My. I got no Oh my goodness! Great. Talk about Great his own play. dynasty team. All right, let's get to the offensive tackles. This is a fun one. So. So to start off, I've got Iki Aquanu at number one. I think he might be a top three player in this in this draft. Dude is a monster in the run game. Competitive, uber athletic, pass blocking, got really good at the end of the season. He's going to improve in that, but he's a day one tackle. And I think at worst, he's going to be an all-pro guard. Love, absolutely love his tenacity. Evan Neal is my second one. These guys... The top three here, they're all potential top 10 picks, by the way. Um, Evan Neal from Alabama. Love his versatility. He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. He's played left one of the right or left guard, I forget, in three years at Alabama. Changed positions every year and was a stud each time. Uh, again, there's that picture compared him to Vince Wilfork. He's heavier than Wilfork, and he's way skinnier than him. Um, absolutely hysterical. Um, number three, I got Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Pass blocking extraordinaire, probably the best one in this class. You know, an SEC guy who went into Mike Leach's pass first offense, he did a damn good job. I think he could be really great. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, small school guy, but he's a freaking bully. He's, he's You've seen the clips from the from the Senior Bowl. It just 
He was addicted to guys, and I love that about him. Huge run blocker. He's going to get beaten pass coverage sometimes. He's going to have to work on that, but he's re- got a lot of potential. And then Bernard Raymond, who served in the Austrian Army after high school, then he went to Central Michigan, played tight end, redshirted for like a year, then he had COVID year, and then he was an offensive tackle, and now he's like a first-round offensive tackle. So very interesting player, very interesting profile. Uh, but I will say this is a year where if you need a tackle, you can get one. 100%. And I agree with the top five fully. Um, those five selectively, I think, are the clear-cut top five position. Um, I actually agree with two with Ikwame. should be the top pick. He's he's a monster, man. <laughs> that dude scares me. <laughs> That's one of those dudes, like, um, just if you see him on the other side of the line, you're you're scared for yourself on the deep. Yeah. Like, that's oh. – he just adds an intimidation presence, which is so great to have. And you put it perfectly. I think Evan Neal and Charles Cross are both top 10 potential candidates, and they probably will just given the value of the position. Um, they're all just mutants of athletic phenomenal. Guys are getting way more athletic nowadays. It's not then, all these guys are first rounders. And then Penning and Ryman, they're both very skilled and they could develop into top tier ones. So it's just, it's a great top five class this year. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And there's still guys you can get later. Um, interior offensive linemen, combination of guards and centers. Number one, it's Tyler Linderbaum, arguably the best center prospect to come out in a long time. And it's funny how the position's getting devalued because he's going to be a center in the NFL. He's not going to be – I don't know if he's going to be a guard or if he's going to change that ever. Um, but you'll see kind of what happens to him in the draft. He's going to fall a little bit just because of the positional value. Yeah. Um, Real quick on that note, it's just it, it makes me funny that this position gets devalued when Creed Humphrey almost won fucking rookie of the year last year for Kansas City. Because he, he went in the second round. No, <laughs> that's why you can get him in the second round. You just know you got to take shots on higher value positions in the first round. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the other guys I got Zion Johnson from Boston College, huge riser throughout this draft process. He's gone from you know day two guy to certified day one. Um, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, he's kind of always been in that first round, but he didn't test well recently. I'm not terribly surprised, and to be honest, at a, as a guard, he's not going to play tackle. He's going to be a guard. Testing is not the most important thing. It's more just the tape. Can you block? If you can do that, then you're you're going to be safe. Uh, Tyler Smith, another riser from Tulsa. Kid's a young red shirt sophomore, and he's a bully in the run game. Someone is going, some offensive coach is going to look at him and say, I can make that guy into an all pro. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? I don't know. Really? I put him in the interior guys for now. Just to, I want him on this list. <laughs> Had to make sure. <laughs> uh, and then I got Darian Kennard, another guy who played tackle in college size wise, probably going to have to transition to guard, but really solid, strong player from Kentucky. But, you know, like I said, it's a good offensive line class. I had Jabari Salier on here from Georgia. He's a guy who just didn't make the cut, but still, like, that's an early day two player right there. So, you know, it, again, for the offensive line, if you need it this year in the draft, whether it's inside or outside, you can find it. Oh, it's definitely one of the deepest, deeper classes in a while, um, especially with the top-tier talent level and then when it drops off too. It's it's really good year for just talent overall yeah. on the offensive line. And exactly. again, same with the tackles here. I think you did a great job getting your top five guys. I think uh, Linnebaum and uh, Johnson will go first round. I think the rest will drop. But as you kind of mentioned, that's just the unfortunate value of the position. So there'll be some good yeah. steals in rounds two and three. That there will be. All right, let's get to the edge rushers. This is a fun one. Um, number one, going with the consensus here. I got Hutchinson, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, the uh, edge from Michigan. 
Number two, I've got Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon off the Oregon edge rusher. I don't know why I keep saying edge rusher. We all know they're edge rushers. Um, number three, Trayvon Walker from Georgia, who had that absolutely insane combine. Um, number four is Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, another guy, huge riser throughout this process. Uh, number five, I've got Boye Mafe, another guy who kind of came out of nowhere in the draft process, but after a really strong year at, at uh, Minnesota, shows a lot of explosiveness and a lot of raw ability. Someone's going to want to grab him. couple guys who I want to mention who just missed the cut too. I know you want to point them out. George Karloftis and David Ajabo, who he would have been number five, but the Achilles, I got to take him out. That was so dark, by the way, too. Just the entire, like, eight coaches were just watching him. I heard the video. I heard people talking about that. Apparently, it's not as bad as it looks because, A, they couldn't tell if he was, like, stretching, if they didn't want to, like, overcrowd him. They couldn't tell he was, like, screaming in pain. So I'm not asking for everybody to, like, crowd him. Whoever's running the thing went over, like, hey, David, you good? Yeah, I guess it, the video makes it look look a lot worse than it was. At least I think that's what Hutchinson was saying um, that, in a podcast. That's a Joba with the injury, and that unfortunately makes sense, and it just yeah. sucks. Hopefully, I mean, sure, he'll still get drafted, but someone's going to get a really good steal on him. Um, oh, yeah. With uh, Kalafis, that's just – did he arguably – I'll say arguably here – have one of – in terms of what his value was before the combine versus after, did he have one of the most significant drops? I think it's less that he fell. It's more that other guys rose up. I mean, he's still looking at as like his floor is like the top of the second round. Somebody's going to take him. And he didn't test bad. He just didn't test amazing. Um, apparently today he did a – he ran a 4-7-1, which is good for a defensive lineman, but it was sub It was like sub-freezing in uh, at the Purdue Pro Day. So people were like, whoa. <laughs> So who knows? Maybe he rises back up. But like I said, these other guys are just showing a lot more potential here. And, I mean, you're going to get three of these guys are going to go very high when we talk about the mock draft soon. Uh, now, so, we, we'll, we kind of talked about it in our last episode, but Trayvon Walker again. Just Yeah. You want to talk about risers after the combine? <laughs> this kind of about – <laughs> Yeah, this guy athleticism athleticism just doesn't come around that often. We'll talk more about these guys. I want to make sure we we don't spend too much time here and we'll we'll talk about them in the mock too. But again, it's a talented edge group, that's for certain. Um let's go we'll blow through the defensive lineman. We've talked enough about Jordan Davis. He's my number one guy. There's no more to say. He's just a freak. Um Devontae Wyatt too from Georgia. Honestly, if not for Davis, we would be talking about how freaky his combine was. Those guys, I've got them round one easy. Um, in terms of like tiering these guys, you know, and I'll mention it for the edge rushers too. All those top five guys, I have them as first rounders. Um, defensive linemen, Davis and Wyatt are round one. Travis Jones from UConn is my number three. He's borderline, kind of depends what a team's looking for, but he's early day two, late day one. Um, after that, it's not that strong a class. It's actually pretty weak. Um, I have Fidarian Mathis from Alabama and Perrion Winfrey at number four and five. Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma. Those guys are day three, you know, late day two, day three guys. Mathis more of like, you know, clog the run kind of game. You know, maybe take up two defenders. Hopefully, Perrion Winfrey is not good against the run, but he can rush the passer from the interior. So it really depends what you're looking for, but. It's overall not a very strong defensive lineman class, but you have a couple guys at the top who make it look really nice. Um, my one question, what made you keep Logan Hall off? He's too much of a tweener for me. <laughs> too much, just a little bit. I He's he's up there in consideration. I just 
I feel like everyone thinks like, oh, these tweeners, they could be like Aaron Donald. It's like, no, no, no. Aaron Donald is, is the unicorn. And a lot of these tweeners, they don't do very well. You know, they're not big enough to play defensive line, but they're not fast enough to be on the edge. I'm confident saying I'll be in my mid forties next time I see an Aaron Donald like player. I fully agree with you on that one. Uh, let's go to linebackers. So there's top, there's a top two here. And then there are like seven guys who are all together. So I tried to make a top five here, but it's tough. Um, so my number one guy is Devin Lloyd from Utah. Number two is Nicobe Dean, who I've had him as my number one guy for so long. But the fact is the athleticism, I think it's there enough for the NFL, but it's not going to look good testing. Lloyd, he does have better numbers, so he does get the edge for me. And again, you come down to it, there's certain athletic traits that do like translate better to the NFL, and you got to have them at some point. And Dean, I think he can play it. The tape says it. He played in the SEC and dominated, but it's going to hurt him in this case. And I'm going to bet on Lloyd a little bit more. Um, number three, I've got Troy Anderson from Montana State. Dude came out and ran a 4-4 and had an absolute day at the combine, played multiple positions in college, turned to linebacker, I think like his sophomore year, and was like, I forget what conference Montana State is, but he was defensive player of the year. Dude can ball out, and I want that kind of a side-to-side athlete on my team. Leo Chennault from Wisconsin, he's that classic run-stopping linebacker. He was supposed to set the record at the – he was going to potentially go for 40 reps on the bench at the combine. Didn't bench there. He put up 34 at his pro day, which still would have won the combine. <laughs> but I was a little sad on that one. But he's a, he's a damn good player. Um, Christian Harris from Alabama, I've got it number five. And, again, a lot of these guys are just right there. Chad Muma from Wyoming. Quay Walker from Georgia. Channing Tindall from Georgia. Notice the Georgia theme here. Uh, all these guys are, I think, day two picks. And if you're looking for a linebacker, you don't have to go in round one to get Lloyd or Kobe Dean because you can go in round two, round three, and grab Chad Muma or Christian Harris or whoever you want at this point. It's such a deep class. It is deep, but would you argue? Darian Beavers is another one. <laughs> would you argue, though, it's not as bad as the interior defensive lineman, don't get me wrong, but in terms of the drop-off from those top two guys onto the kind of the rest, it is – significant not I bad i disagree with you actually really? i don't i mean i think they are one and two but i don't think three four five six seven are that far off from them i think they're all talented like i said what what lloyd and dean make up for with just the on-field production they lack with the athleticism and again that translates to the nfl so you got to keep that stuff in consideration so i don't think it's a huge gap in between the two groups but now i get what you're saying though in terms of like draft stock and everything i do see that uh but yeah basically i love this linebacker group and the patriots need linebackers so we are definitely going to be talking about that that is for certain um all right, let's get through the defensive backs. We got two more to go through. I'll kind of blow through, and like I said, just stop me when you need to. Cornerbacks. This one's tough for me because Derek Stingley Jr. is one of the best co- college cornerbacks I've ever seen play, and I watched a lot of LSU games that 2019 year. He has the potential to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but we haven't seen it in two years. <laughs> so it's really hard. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Sauce, stud. baby. Stud. Consistent. You know what Love you're him. getting. Guy who didn't give up a, cut, a touchdown in college. Barely gave up yardage. He is talented. Um, Trent McDuffie, 
smaller, but definitely a great tackler and a smart player. He's going to be a day one starter for somebody in their defense. Um, Andrew Booth Jr., great athleticism, great coverage skills, needs to learn to use his feet better. He kind of gets tangled up underneath himself, but he has a ton of potential. And then a name Patriots fans are going to have to get used to is Kyer Elam from Florida. He had a little bit of a down year at times. There were some games that you thought he wasn't even trying, but he came out and tested really well in the combine. I think he secured himself around one spot, and he definitely could be a talented man coverage corner. Yeah, uh, good list. The only thing I disagree with is that Sauce, baby. Sauce is number one in my heart, my books. He's he's so fucking Like I said, it's close, but I still will put Derek Stingley Jr. as my number one. Until I see that he can't do it in the NFL, that is some of the best tape I've ever seen. He was amazing. Sauce didn't get over touchdown, so he's just as amazing. <laughs> Last group, safeties. Number one, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Love him. Arguably a top three player in this draft class. He's taken a little bit of a hit recently, but the the dude's done everything. His testing, was it amazing? No, it was fine. And you see it on tape. He can play. He's almost a Derwin James type. So I definitely. Sorry, I I think you can call him the best player in this draft. You could. I I can see the argument. Like I said, I don't. I don't call him that, but he can definitely be up there. Uh, Number two, Lewis Seen, another guy from Everett, Mass. Um, Just realized that him and Isaiah likely went to high school together, won state championships. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Freakish hitter, freakish athlete from Georgia. Daxton Hill from Michigan. Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. And then Jalen Petrie from from Baylor. Uh, Guy who, is he a corner? Is he a safety? I don't care. I think he played safety. And he was nasty at the uh, Senior Bowl. So, that was a lot of guys, but top five. And it will probably change again before the draft. We got 100%. one month to go. A lot of time, a lot of changes, a lot of news to come out. A lot of players. All right, give me a break here, Bob. Let's do this love-hate. Let's do this love-hate, Andy. So I got a, got a, got a little handful here, and I kind of wanted to roll back time from last week's stuff that we for free agency more focus, but I also want to take some love this week and some stuff that broke. But focusing on last week and kind of going into before the draft happens, I wanted to ask you, what do we love more, Andy? Do we love Marcus Mariota starting in the NFL, or do we love Mitchell Trubisky starting in the NFL? That's a tough one because you know how I feel about my Mitch. I do. I very much do. I feel I'm going to go with Mitch on this one, and here's why. Marcus Mariota – had a good chance to be successful in Tennessee, and he really wasn't. He just he didn't play up to it. Mitch Trubisky, while at times he didn't play up to it, he also didn't exactly have the greatest support systems around him. They did not do him any favors. I think Tennessee put Mariota in a lot better situations, and I think Mitch gets a lot more crap because they're both number two overall picks, but Mitch gets more crap. So good for Mitch. Mariota too. He's gonna be, you know, he he is there not to revive his career. He's there to be the spot starter until they find a new guy. Mitch actually is going in there thinking he could be like the long term answer. He's got it. He's trying for it. So I'm going with Mitch Trubisky. Love it. Wanted to make sure we get that in before the draft because Lords and rookie QBs can make that change real quick. Yeah. Um, News broke after we ended last week, so I wanted to get this in here. Andy, what do we love more, Devontae Adams to the Raiders or Tyreek to the Dolphins? 
Uh, I mean, I'm a, as a Patriots fan, it would be Devontae Adams to the um, Chargers. But overall, as an NFL fan, I got to go with Tyreek because him and Jalen Waddle is going to be so fun to watch. And I also – here's the thing, and this is, again, for Patriots fans, I'm sorry about this. This is a frightening topic. You have Mike McDaniel coming over from San Francisco. Who does he? Who did he make into? Now this is probably Kyle Shanahan too. But who did he turn into an absolute weapon last year? Debo Samuel. Guess what he has now? A guy who can take the ball on an end around. I think Tyree Kill could be Debo Samuel East. Yeah. And that is a terrifying thought. That is horrifying. I don't want that. <laughs> but it's going to be really fun to watch. So, Dolphins fans. If Tua can't can't get you some wins this year, man, like I don't know what you want to do. It is time to end the Tua experiment. It, it, he's got a chance. If he all he has to do is get the ball to their into their hands, that's it. It's, he doesn't have to go downfield either. Well, good to see him, Terry. Now focusing back on a quarterback battle, that's probably going to happen, in my opinion. I understand your Mark Jeff may look different. We'll see when we get there. Right. However, for the Detroit line. The lovable loser is the team that I think America really was rooting for last year. And who do we love for next year? Do we love Jared Goff starting for that team, or do we love a rookie QB starting for that team? We love Jared Goff starting for that team. Why? Because, like I just said, I don't think any of these QBs, aside for Kenny Pickett, can start day one. And you're paying Jared Goff and taking a $30 million hit. Play him. He was actually fine. I thought he was fine last year. He's not going to win you playoff games. He's not going to get you to the playoffs, but he can be serviceable. And I think Jared Goff gets a lot a – lot, just too much shit. Thank God that guy is a model girlfriend. Otherwise, I don't know what he would be doing. Well, Andy, good to know. And the reason I brought up the Lions, though, is because of the news that broke this week, which is Hard Knocks will be Best hosting ever. the Detroit Lions. Now, you say that because I would like to know, what do we love more, the Lions being Hard Knocks choice, or would have been the other two options been better, either the Panthers or the Jets? The Panthers is a shit show, so I don't want to see which that. Which makes it kind of better. I kind of want a shit show. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, Detroit's going to be bad, but they're also going to be, like, hilarious. The Jets, I don't I don't see a lot of entertainment there. Maybe Zach Wilson does something funny or, like, gets ID'd at a bar or something. But, no, I, I love the Lions. I think they are the perfect hard knocks, hard knocks pick. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be phenomenal. Campbell will be a great coach for the show. It's going to be just going to be biting kneecaps, which Adam Schefter tweeted that, and it was the worst tweet I've ever seen. Like, dude, that joke is old. Biting kneecaps, baby. That was uh, that was awful, absolutely awful. But this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, it's just, it's Dan Campbell. That's all it is. He's Who just is? A, he's a, he's lovable. He's America's favorite coach. Like we all thought he was just this big dumb idiot jock, and then we realized like we actually love this guy. He's yeah, hilarious. Right. He and might be a big idiot, but man, does he love him? Man, does he get guys to buy in? Dude, yeah, that he does. I think Detroit is rebuilding really well right now. They are setting themselves up. Aaron Rodgers hey, leaves in a couple of years. They can run the they can run the north. I, I understand this is more of a soccer take than anything, so just bear with me a second. You don't your head coach doesn't need to be technical genius. You can just hire offensive and defensive coordinators to come up with a great game plan. If Campbell's only job is to get the team collectively to buy in and work together, that's kind of the Best aspect for a good head coach. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You got to get someone to buy. You got to get these guys to buy in. They're rebuilding. You really need them to buy in. So, good choice, Hard Knocks. It'll be a fun episode. Are you ready, Bob? I am ready, sir. All right. So we're gonna go through. This is a post free agency mock draft. I came up with first round only. How we're gonna do this? I'm gonna go through the first ten picks. 
Bob's going to point out anything, you know, if he wants to talk about it, if he loves a pick, great. If he hates it, if it doesn't make any sense, I want him to tear me a new one. Uh, we won't bear, we won't go through every pick because God will be here all night, but we'll blow through here. And like I said, just want to give you guys an idea of where I think teams are going. Uh, and we'll do that for 11 through 20 and then 21 through 32. So <clears throat> let's kick it off. Number one, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Aiden Hutchinson, the edge defender out of um, Michigan. At number two, we got the Detroit Lions on the clock, and we're going with the guy who had the freakish combine, edge defender Trayvon Walker from Georgia. At number three, we got the Houston Texans. Now, this was a tough one for me, but my heart told me to go Icky Iquanu. Like I said, one of my top three players in this class. He goes number three overall, the offensive tackle from NC State. Helped rebuild that offensive line. Number four, we got the Jets with their first of two top ten picks, and we're going with Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, the edge defender. Um, like I said, we got three edge defenders in the first four picks. So it's a pretty solid class there. Um, number five, we got the New York Giants now on the clock, their first pick of the top ten. They get number seven as well. They're going to start with Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, Carolina Panthers, here's where we get interesting. First quarterback comes off the board. We're going Malik Willis here at six from Liberty. Uh, number seven, this is the second Giants pick. Took it off Evan Neal with the first one. Now they're taking cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati at seven. Number eight, the Falcons. They don't have wide receivers. This was just an easy pick. We're going my number one guy. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. At number nine, the Seahawks in the trade they made with Denver, they get number nine. They're going to take offensive tackle Charles Cross from Mississippi State. And at number 10, the Jets' second pick, top 10, they're going safety Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. So, Bob, what do you think? So, overall, I actually think – so, first pick, you know, Jacksonville can't go wrong. Aiden is a great pick. If they want an offensive lineman of any capacity, great pick. So, I overall don't have an issue. Five, excuse me, four to nine. I actually fully support. I think you made some great calls there wow. as well. I know, honestly, I think I, you know, every pick really does make good sense. Um, especially, you know, Carolina with Mac Malik Willis, if he falls that far. Now, tearing into a little bit here, Detroit. I do like the Trayvon Walker pick. I really, really do. I think if they don't go quarterback, I think that is kind of the ideal personality, freak athlete, perfect kind of guy that can't always joke about once. I, Really think they got to look at quarterback options. Just with Jared Goff is clearly not the answer, and you need to kind of work out to find that guy. Houston, this is my biggest issue, and I, I will fight to the end of the earth for this. That is a full fledged beginning of a rebuild. I understand it's Lovey Smith. I don't know how long Lovey Smith is going to be there. They, they, they have to take leaders. They have to take people who can change a locker room. Kyle Hamilton is that guy. I'm sticking with Kyle Hamilton at three, for my opinion, and I just cannot believe you have him at ten. That, and I get uh, disrespectful to the man. I get that. And again, I look at Kyle Hamilton and I think it's about positional value. If I'm going to take a safety, let me finish. I can tell what you're going to do. If I'm going to take a safety in the top three, he better test off the damn charts because I want to get value out of these picks. And when I look at it at the end of the day, I look at Iki Aquana, who I have as a top three player in this draft class, the best offensive lineman. My team, I'm probably going to have to move Laramie Tunsil at some point. Now, I know they restructured him, but in the future, they're going to have to move him. How do you start to build a team? Through the trenches. That's what Detroit's doing right now. I'm sorry, Nick Casario, this isn't the Patriots anymore. You can't build back to front. 
I'm going to take the offensive lineman, start to get a run game going. Maybe that'll help Davis Mills develop because who knows? He showed some flashes last year. I'm going the offensive lineman there because the value of taking a safety, in my opinion, is not worth it. Number three. All right. I, I, I would just point one of the counterpoints. Lovey Smith was a defensive coordinator. He likes defensive guys. I'm going to lean towards that way. And as you just perfectly explained, Casario's I get that. Casario's in the Patriot system, built back to front. Guys going to be looking for corners and safeties. It's just. Every time somebody has tried to emulate the Patriot way, it doesn't work. Someone's going to find out. They keep trying. That's that's the joke. (laughs) Maybe maybe this is the time they don't. But that's why I got him going number three. Admittedly, it took a little out of me to get that. I wanted him. Honestly, I have him penciled in at number four for the longest time for the Jets. You ready for the next one? Yeah, I think I think we're I think we're gonna agree on the Cal Hamilton situation. So I think we should just move on to the next group. Yeah, we just won't agree on that one. All right. Number eleven, we got the Washington Commanders. I'm still getting used to that. They take wide receiver Drake London from USC. To number twelve, the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. A fall for him, but like I we, we talked about it earlier. There's been some injuries, some concerns over the last couple of years. That's why he's out of the top ten. Um, number thirteen, we got the Houston Texans on here again after the Sean Watson deal. They land defensive lineman Jordan Davis, the big man from Georgia. Number fourteen, we got the Baltimore Ravens. They missed out on Zadarius Smith in free agency. He backed out of a contract, so I'm going to have them taking another edge rusher, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. This is a little bit of a fall for him, to be honest. Um, number three, we got or fifteen, we got the Eagles with the first of their three picks, all in this one. So I'm kind of going to group these together. So at fifteen, I've got the Eagles taking defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, put him next to Fletcher Cox until he retires. Number 16, I've got the Eagles taking wide receiver Jamison Williams. And then at number 19, we're going to skip the other two just to group the Eagles together. I've got them taking Trent McDuffie. So Devontae Wyatt, Jamison Williams, and Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from Washington for the Eagles, pretty damn good first round. Um, Jumping back here, number 17, the Chargers take offensive tackle Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. At number 18, the New Orleans Saints Saints take Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Last time they took an Ohio State wide receiver, worked out pretty well for him. Uh, and then number 20, after the Eagles' pick, next pick at 19, which was Trent McDuffie, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock, and I've got them taking quarterback Kenny Pickett Kenny from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. To Pittsburgh. All right. Well, So we can uh, play in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Wait, he's from Pittsburgh? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, dude, he played it. He played at Heinz. Um, so, Andy, start off things I did like. Um, I do love Drake London to Washington. That is, they they do need that superstar. As they need I a big wide receiver for Carson Wentz. That's it. <laughs> so Just makes perfect sense. Stingley of Minnesota. They have one of the worst cornerback rooms in arguably the NFL. So they definitely do that immediately, and you love them so perfect. Um, and some later picks like Penning uh, to LA. I do like Kenny to uh, Pittsburgh just for the uh, competition aspect. A couple questions I want to ask you about. Excuse me. Jordan Davis at 13. Surprisingly high. Why would you have him go there? He's rising up the boards, man. This is where he's going to start to go. 13 to 20, I would say. Uh, That's where you're going to start to see him come off the board. But, again, just a freaky athlete. And I'm taking the Detroit approach. I think they are going to build – 
throughout the trenches. He would fit in Lovey Smith's defense. He's going to be able to stop the run, and that's going to help get that defense off the field and into better situations in third downs. So I think he could be a good long-term fit for them and just kind of a building block on that defense there. I thought about a couple different positions. I thought about wide receiver here, but I think he makes a lot of sense. And you know, like I said, I mean, the dude is has the ability to be a rare defensive tackle. You can't put a value on that. Hey, respect. You know, he's like I said, not a perfect science here. No, it's not, but he's also, you know, not a common uh prospect when it comes to track positions. So he's, it definitely he broke science. And then second question, what made you take Jameson Williams for Philly over Chris Olave? Um take I understand the uh you know the potential out of the receiver, but in terms of ready, good to go, I figured Olave would be a more qualified candidate. I am Gonna put. I want Jamison Williams there because I think he his downfield speed will complement Devontae Smith's route running better. I think Chris Olave and Devontae Smith, even last year when they weren't when they were in consideration for the draft, they were kind of similar players. I'd rather. I think the Eagles. You want to get a guy who can go deep, which we thought was going to be Jalen Rager. It's not Jalen Rager. He sucks. So you're going to get the speed guy in Jamison Williams. I think he's just a perfect complement and adds different elements to that offense. Olave is a great downfield player, but he's not the same speed as Jamison Williams. Excellent. Well, you know, the rest of the picks I didn't touch upon, I think, are good. Uh, they make sense in some capacity. Those are really two big question marks I had for you. Damn, doing well so far. The, the Jermaine I, Johnson one I really like just because of what happened with their attempted signings. and yeah. just, that, that was a great call on his He honestly should probably go higher than this. I almost had him at number nine to Seattle, but – I looked at when Charles Cross is there and you're doing a rebuild, you got to get the offensive line going. I will say I actually have one trade I'm going to tell you that I think will happen. And this is part of why Drake London went at 11 instead of 10. I think the Jets are going to package those two second round picks. They have the high ones. And I think they're going to go get DK Metcalf. (laughs) Seattle came out today and Pete Carroll said, and I quote, they intend to have DK Metcalf on the roster. They intended Ooh. to have Russell Wilson there. They're going to trade him. That's oh man. And he will not. He does not fetch the same price as Tyreek Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams. But thirty eight and thirty five, I think, are the uh, Jets picks. Package those and send them over to Seattle. You got to pay DK Metcalf. If the Jets come out of this draft on day two with Kayvon Thibodeau off the edge, opposite Carl Lawson, Kyle Hamilton at safety with Jordan Whitehead. And DK Metcalf with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, I will personally bet on the Patriots to finish fourth in the division. It will be that bad for me. I'll hold you to that. Yeah, I will. I will go place money. Um, I I, speak- I just want to say real quick if Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf end up in the division in the same year, I'm it's yeah. gonna be hard, man. It's Patriots gonna be- fans are going to need lube at games. It's, it's going to be rough. <laughs> it is going to be rough. All right, let's blow through. We got the last bit here, the mock. We'll talk for one minute about the Patriots pick. I have them going cornerback Kyir Elam here. And this is a pick, Patriots fans. It's down to two guys for me. It's going to be Elam or it's going to be Olave. Are they going offense or they going defense? Both are Patriots guys. Elam, he answered the, he answered the downfield speed question for me. 4-3-9 at the combine. Check. I'm all set. Bump, you know, he can play man coverage. He was great at Florida. I know Florida DBs have a little bit of a reputation as sucking in the NFL, but we can't scout the helmet. Um, I think 
if I'm telling you to bet on a player drafted by the Patriots, if they stay at 21, it's going to be Kyer Elam. Get used to saying it. We need cornerbacks. <laughs> anyway, rest of the round. So at number 22, the Packers, that pick from the Vegas Raiders, they got to get a new wide receiver. They're going wide receiver trail on Burks here. Arizona at number 23. I'm debated this one. I'm not sure where I want to go. I thought offensive line, but I am going to go with Edge Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. We talked about him a little bit earlier. You need you lost Chandler Jones. You need to put somebody opposite J.J. Watt, learn from J.J. Watt a bit. Has potential to be a really good pass rusher. I think he's going to move up boards a lot. Number 24, we got the Dallas Cowboys. they got to fix that offensive line. They're going Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. Older prospect, but definitely a guy who I think will translate really well to the NFL. Uh, number 25, we've got the Buffalo Bills here. They're going cornerback Andrew Booth. I think cornerback's the one thing that they got to work on um, in order to improve their secondary, but a lot of potential with him. Number 26, Tennessee Titans. I know, I think they brought back Ben Jones, but I'm still going Tyler Linderbaum because I think that run game, Mike Vrabel's going to see him available, and he's just not going to be able to pass him up. It's just going to be such a good addition for them. Uh, This dude is going to be Creed Humphrey level good in the NFL. I have no doubt about that. Um, Number 27, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got to replace um, Ali Marpet, who retired early. They're going to go Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Green Bay Packers on the clock again at 28. They're going to pick up Kenyon Green to improve their offensive line. They got to just protect Aaron Rodgers the next couple of years and give him weapons so they get a wide receiver and an offensive lineman here. Uh, 29. So this is the Miami pick that is now the Chiefs. They're going to get a new wide receiver. They're going to go Christian Watson from North Dakota State University. The one of the bigger risers, again, we talked about, there have been a, quite a couple here, uh, but he tested like Randy Moss, essentially. He is not Randy Moss. I'm going to point that out. That's why he's a six wide receiver going here, but he tested like him. So that's definitely impressive. Um, Kansas City with 30. They're going to grab David Ajabo here, and we'll talk about this a little after. We'll get through the rest of the picks, uh, but the edge defender out of Michigan, who we just mentioned, tore his Achilles in a workout recently. Uh, 31, I got the Cincinnati Bengals here. They don't need offensive line actually anymore. I mean, they could still add to it, but they're going to grab Devin Lloyd. Um, great value at the linebacker spot to put next to Logan Wilson. Um, like I said, these guys have kind of followed a little bit because it is a deep draft, but when you can get a guy like Devin Lloyd at 31, that's amazing value. And then finally, the Rams pick the Detroit Lions own for the Jared Goff deal. They are going to not take a quarterback. I thought about it, but they're going to get N'Kobe Dean who I'm still keeping in round one because that is a Dan Campbell player. That is, they are adding two really good Georgia defenders to that defense and they need them in the North. So there we go. Get the Georgia boys up North. All the Georgia boys. I have four in the first round and Lewis seen could easily go to Kansas city. So there could be a bunch of them. I think that'd be a record for defenders in a single first round, but yeah, there's my post-free agency round one mock. Bob, what do you think of the ending? So I'm going to pass on the Patriots. You gave a great description. I think you're right. It's going to be receiver corner. That's what Bill's going to look at. I hope it's a receiver. Olave or Elam. I, as, I, as a Pats fan, really do hope receiver, please. I will personally Something. buy I will have the Olave jersey pre-ordered draft <laughs> night. Um, touching on the Green Bay picks. So to counter your Jets point, because they're also in the DK market, they could package this early first, the 22 and later picks to get also DK. So 
I'm giving up 28 for DK. I'm not giving up 22. If they're in a win now mode, though, I got it. They just gave. They just got 22 for Devontae Adams. There is no shot they're giving up 22. 28, yes. So either way, but if if they were to trade for DK, I think then the Traylon Burks pick is kind of the point. Yeah. So that being said, I'm gonna. They also have no wide receivers other than him. What you got, Allen fucking Lazard. If if he's if he's a Rogers guy, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. That's fair. That's fair. So. Touching on the Green Bay stuff, similar situation where I think you're right, but I also I think they're leaders in the DK market right now. I think they they're going to make a trade for somebody. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I didn't make trades in this. So on the Cardinals pick, I really think they're going to go O line. I think they're going to recognize, and you can see this how you want to. They're going to placate to Kyler at the end of the day. He's the star quarterback. He's selling tickets. He's showing up. And I understand that, you know, we can play the power struggle game all we want, but the, they usually cave to their star quarterbacks. Yeah. I Both will say in- this. You can get a guy later, I think. I think when you have a good edge defender, you grab him earlier. I I, I agree with you. The front office agrees with you. Kyler won't agree with you. And oh, Kyler's they, a, yeah, Kyler's going to bitch about everything. You, you do what you makes your superstar quarterback happy. It's not the right thinking. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get very clear, but it's what I think is going to happen. So they're going to go with Lindenbaum, Johnson, Green, any of those guys, and they could be a good fit. But they're going to – because that O-line does also kind of suck, especially inter- internally. That's fair. Um, all right, on Cowboys and Bills, great picks. Don't have an issue. Tennessee, Tampa, same situation. Green Bay touched upon as well. Now get to the fun ones. Kansas City, I understand the Christian Watson pick. Now let me ask counter with this. Is it possible that they wait to see if one of those later kind of wave of receivers drop to their second round pick? I don't think you want to count on that in this draft. If anything, Kansas City is a prime candidate to trade up. Package those picks or a first and a second. They might go get Jamison Williams. They might want to jump up to. They could jump up to fourteen. Oh my god, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> they need they need to add speed, and I, I do think Watson has it. If they stay here, I think they'll grab him or Sky Moore from Western Kentucky or Western Michigan. Fair enough. And then the second Kansas you should pick. I want to ask. You touched upon it, Sorensen. I'm shocked. I understand his potential and that, but. You really have him still going in the first round after just tearing the ACL? First of all, it was an Achilles. Achilles, excuse me. Yes, that might even be worse, actually. Um, so here's my reasoning. So basically, Ajabo going prior to the injury, top 15 lock nearly. People had him in the top 10. I've seen him mocked as high as number five to the New York Giants. High potential pass rusher. The, the word I got from just every scout who I follow, every tweet that I've seen is the majority of the league felt that he would be, no matter what, a kind of redshirt player. Not going to play a ton his first year. He's still learning football. So any team drafting him is thinking, we're probably not going to get him out there too much. He's going to learn more year one. Now, obviously, tears the Achilles. Probably not going to play year one. He might be back at the end, if anything. Um, you still can use that, that year as a redshirt year. He's going to be, you know, with the team, he's going to be learning still, he's going to be rehabbing. You also get a fifth year option on a first round player. When you have a pass rusher at that level, I think a team, if they can wait, they're going to go up and they're going to grab him just for that extra year of security, especially if it's a guy who you already know year one, you're redshirting him. So either way. So I think there's value 
in the fifth year option. That's why at the end of the round one, you see a lot of teams come up and grab guys, especially quarterbacks and edge rushers, because there's value in having that extra year of control. So that is why I still have Jabo here. A, it's an Achilles. People are coming back from that. Cam Akers came back and not even a full season. Like now, obviously that was a that was probably a freak thing, but he's gonna probably come back and be fine. Again, you get that fifth year on him and you keep the control. So that's the main reason I have him. And, you know, again, it, it makes sense. Kansas City's going to probably build, maybe not for this year, but they might be building for a year out. So we'll see. Fair enough. And then last point I want to make, I think uh, the linebacker selections at those spots are genius. I think both those teams need those players. I would just argue, I think they're going to go earlier. I think at least one of them definitely will. I will, I will make maybe. that. Maybe. I, I again, it goes back to talking about the linebacker group. There are seven or eight that are first, second, third, high third round guys. If I'm a team, you look at it. Would I rather go get the edge rusher at the end of the first, or would I rather get a linebacker when I can get one on day two? It's just, it all comes down to just the value of the roles. Like the defensive tackles, I think Travis Jones could easily go in the first round because if you're a team who needs a defensive tackle, the other ones kind of suck after Travis Jones and Devontae Wyatt and George Davis. So you got to rush and get them. The quarterbacks, I mean, you might have to go grab. They're probably all going to fly off the board in the second round. It also wouldn't surprise me if Cincinnati and Detroit just look at it and go, let's trade back. You know, someone else will give us some future picks or something like that for, you know, the chance to draft Sam Howell and get that extra year. So there's going to be a lot of movement, I think, because there are so many similar players there. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be frenzy on draft day. So many picks, changes, yeah. exchanges, etc. So it's gonna be a lot. That's why I take the day off after. I give you a solid overall B plus on your mark. You know what? I feel good about that. I'm I'm very happy. Uh, final uh, final statement. I just want to make to uh, Mr. Leonard Davis. Thank you for the comment. Um, the Patriot way worked with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Unfortunately, it was the Tom Brady way. Tom Brady will not be coming back through those doors. Uh, to quote one of our old yeah. Celtics great coach. Uh, unfortunately, it's it, it can't be replicated again. And I I do think it might work in today's game if you had Tom Brady and Bill, but that will never be the great combo again, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, the Patriot way was the Tom and Bill way, and we don't have that anymore. So it is gone. Love all the comments we're getting, even though yeah. this guy just said hi. Like, hey, man, what's up? You literally popped in at the end of the show. So... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate the uh, the comments today, everyone. It's uh, it's good to see some activity there. And we love talking got, to all y'all. We got four damn people in here. We're going to get way more than this soon, but we will be back. That was a fun episode. I always love talking, you know, going through rankings and things. You know, I think we got some – we're going to take some division winners in the future, and I think, we'll, I think we want to do like a guest mock draft soon. But we got sure. a month until the draft, and we got probably, what, four episodes? So – we got oh yeah i think the fourth episode would be on draft day or draft week i should say yeah perfect then oh yeah no we're gonna have some we're gonna have some fire stuff i'm gonna tear my hair out it's gonna be great You're fantastic bobby it's your birthday this week happy birthday my friend we're gonna Thank get you you absolutely obliterated saturday so it's if, just get, just gotta get to the weekend then it gets all better we might have to wait until tuesday again to record so Monday's going to be rough, folks. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be rough. But anyway, it's been a pleasure, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you're listening in the morning, cool. Enjoy your ride to work. We'll catch you next week.